The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. How are we doing, guys? We're doing great. Uh, you're there. You're in Arizona, right? It doesn't feel like it. It feels something much colder than Arizona in the spring. But, yeah, we're here physically. Right. Well, I don't want to talk about that. That's that's just upsetting. We, we've got a couple weeks to go before we get down there, so hopefully uh, it starts warming up. What is it like to see this whole pitching staff together? Not so fun. You know, everybody came in, the, like, as expected, the energy is high. As expected, we have multiple guys in the shape of their lives. And, you know, I think the – the vibe in our clubhouse, you know, around the, the facility at the same time that our, our major league group arrived, our pitchers and catchers, we've got a number of our position players who are already here early. And, you know, our group of minor league, the satellite campers for our more advanced uh, minor league players began uh, yesterday as well. So uh, we, we went through our physicals. We've got a high population and ready to see some baseball. I think I'm going to head to the mall today. I think you just gave me an idea, Jerry, because we're going to be down there, right? We're going to be hosting the show. I think I'm going to get some T-shirts printed out of best shape of my life, guy. <laughs> and, and you know, maybe we can hand those out on a daily basis. You could tell me, who was it last week? Who did you say in baseball ops? Taylor? What, no, was it Taylor? Was that his name? Who, who's uh, the... Skyler should be on. Skyler. Skyler, yes. Heat for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a host of others in, in baseball operations who fancy themselves in fine shape. So. All right. What, uh, what numbers do you look at? I'm, I am curious because I'm sure they come in, these, all the players do, with some sort of physical. I know there's times they take, they take the stress test. Uh, how, what is the different range of evaluation that you actually do give guys when they come in and report? Yeah, I mean, like in any other sport, the guys are going to go through a series of tests when they arrive. And, you know, ours aren't, I, I wouldn't say, particularly strenuous. The biggest thing we're, you know, concerned with is the orthopedic exams, is is making sure that everybody's uh, moving parts are doing the things that they're supposed to do. And, you know, so far, so good. This is actually sitting yesterday with our doctors over lunch. You know, they were – praiseful of of where they've been with us for a while now and they're looking at this group of players and you know generally on the younger side we are a pretty athletic group and you know coming in it's very different than it was you know six years ten years ago it when maybe the the staff or the 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 roster trended a little bit older and you know it wasn't as easy on on uh intake day so uh, so far so good you know we're looking at where they are strength wise you know we'll we'll do force place jumps with the with the players we will do you know body comp tests to determine uh you know body fat percentage where we might be able to to help with with nutrition diet you know in the weight room etc I would say the usual for, uh, you know, a sports intake physical at the professional level. Hey, in thinking about your rotation and and the six guys who are in it currently, it it strikes me that all of them are completely different from each other in the way they attack hitters. Is that by design? How important is variety in your rotation? Well, I mean, the variety is nice to have, you know, but, you know, that being said, there's, it's, it's nice to have when they're all good at it. <laughs> and, and I think they, you know, they all, they're, they're all very good at what they do. And, and I think that, you know, it's having something different, a different flavor, a different look with each day. And, 
you know, if you're playing those three or four game series, you know, it's why we've always said it's very hard to win four game series. Uh, it's, you know, you're going to see two and three game series where you'll get the sweep or the, the, the obviously that somebody's going to win it. But when you get in those four game series, it's hard. And, and largely because once you get that far into your pitching staff uh, and the team gets to, or an opposing team gets to see, you know, something similar, you know, whether it's the bullpen guys or the starters over and over, they make adjustments. And, you know, it's a, I, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I've seen teams in the past, some playoff teams that had very similar looking starting pitching, you know, night after night, same body type, same delivery, same arm swing. You could tell who was scouting those teams and, or those, those pitchers. And with us, it's a little bit more of a, of a variety. And I think that's a good thing. Compare and contrast for me, Jerry, when uh, Mr. DePoto went to, I don't know, let's uh, Cleveland Indians camp back in 94 or Colorado Rockies camp in 97. How much different pitchers and catchers when you reported in 97, how much different is it then to, you know, what we're witnessing this week in Peoria with these Mariners? Similar routines, similar intake, similar bullpens or drastically different? Drastically different is uh, is the easy answer there, and I, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of players from you know from my era and and even players from before it, and and I, I would like to think that this is the logical way to to look at, at what's happening in Major League Baseball today. The best, most physically prepared players that have ever played are probably playing today. <laughs> it's a they they have more at their disposal. The technologies, the you know the frankly the you know the the gift of you know where the game has has gone economically has allowed them to to spend their off seasons twenty four seven training for the hundred sixty two game baseball season and and as a result you know you get players that come in and they they look phenomenal they look like they spent their off season getting ready to be here today and and that's the way it it, it seems when they walk through the door and you know, we've got guys already throwing near 100 miles an hour in bullpens. We've we've got you know we've got pretty impressive you know in the gym numbers that have shown up in in a couple of days. And and now that we get to to watch live baseball out on the field starting today, it, it should be fun to see how it translates there. Uh, Jerry, I don't know. Do you know Chris Lagan from Driveline? I don't. I know his name, and I'm very familiar with what they do. Okay, so Chris was on the station earlier this week. He was on with Wyman and Bob in the afternoon, and they were asking him about about Matt Brash. He said something that I wanted to play for you quickly and just get your reaction to it. This is his answer on Matt Brash's slider. The known things, obviously, are, I mean, I I think you could pretty realistically say his slider is maybe the best pitch in terms of, like, pitch movement and velocity uh, in, like, Major League history. Like, in major league history, is it possible that we're watching Matt Brash throw the greatest pitch in major league history? You know, history is a long time, <laughs> and I, I, my my first reaction is it's it's pretty damn good. And I jokingly we we said this spring we are going to lean into the, the Matt Brash has the greatest pitch in major league history theme uh, because we did get that from uh, from yesterday, and when you're watching it live your reaction is how can it be any nastier than it is? And, you know, and I, I say that, and there've been a lot of nasty pitches in major league history, you know, some by Mariners, you know, Felix's changeup or Randy Johnson slider. There's 
but Matt Brass's stuff, I won't even really limit it just to his flyer. It, his stuff is, is on that tier. It's just nasty, nasty stuff. And uh, I, if I were him, I would definitely go with Brock to the mall and make a t-shirt that says, <laughs> you know, that he, he is the owner of the nastiest pitch in major league history, but uh, you know, I, it's uh, it's it's pretty nasty. I will say that. And you know what's interesting? You bring up the big unit. If you, when you saw Randy Johnson in person, you're like, yeah, that guy is just different. I mean, he's like six ten, right? I mean, he's just a a different kind of human being. You see Matt Brash at the in and out line. You're not going to be like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy, that arm is host to the greatest, most dominant, devastating pitch in Major League Baseball history. How does he do it? You know, I would say the same, you know, back in the day, if you would have, you know, you walked through the door with Pedro Martinez, you'd never know what was going to come out of that pose. <laughs> it was, you know, he's 5'10 and weighed about 165 pounds, but the, you know, it's, he is gifted and he's got such a fast arm. And I, as we discussed many times since we acquired him back in the, the summer of 2020, in our wildest dreams, we, we couldn't have imagined how well it would have turned out for Matt stuff wise. And it's a tribute to his aptitude. You know, obviously he's got physical skills that, that are required, but what he's done with our pitching people here and, and how quickly he bought in to the programs that we run, I, I think go a long, long way. And, uh, but again, I, I would have been, lying to them and, and even now if i said oh yeah we had this the whole time he was gonna have a nasty slider in history and, and throw 100 miles an hour but he does those things and uh and it's good for the mariners that we have him here hey jerry how did you get perry hill here we were t- and the reason i asked we were talking to to colton wong yesterday and i have actually a few questions about that because he was awesome but you know he went on and on about how he'd always admired Perry Hill from afar and knew that he was one of those couple of coaches in baseball along with I think he said Jose Akindo and Ron Washington who were just sort of legendary infield coaches and we've seen what he's done with Crawford we've seen what he did with Suarez last year but how'd you guys get him? You know there was a, there was something in a regime change it was one phone call uh, I can remember I was here in Phoenix we were here for uh, for a leadership meeting that we had a couple of years back and, and I was walking on the, the lawn out in front of the hotel, talking to Perry and it, it took one conversation. He was informed by the Marlins that, that they weren't going to bring him back. And, you know, it still wasn't public information, but we had a little bit of recon on it and made a very quick phone call. And, and, uh, and that's all it took really. He was, he was in lock, stock and barrel. And it's been one of the smartest things we've done. He's, he is truly a difference maker, when he's out there on that field working with the, the infielders, it's a, his persona changes when he's out on that field. It's a, it's pretty phenomenal to watch and they all respond to him. It's a, it's really a sight in spring training. If you haven't seen it, it seems like a secret yeah. weapon almost. Yeah. Which, which oddly enough was Jose Okendo's nickname, <laughs> but the, you know, I think the, I was talking with Colton about it when he got here and, you know, how quickly he, you know, respect, he reached out to Perry and, and, uh, you know, truly as soon as he found out he was coming to the Mariners and, and, uh, you know, it's, he, I, I think Perry has a way of connecting with a player very much like, you know, you would have felt in high school or college when you had, you know, that, that, that coach that sometimes it was tough love. Sometimes it was, it was raised voice all the time. It was consistency. And then as soon as the infield drill is over, he's the most anonymous 
coach on our field. <laughs> but once that infield starts up again, here it goes. And, and he's as impactful as any coach I think there is in the big leagues. Before I do word association round two today, uh, Salk, you did tease and say you were going to ask Jerry something you've never asked him before. What well, was the Perry Hill thing? I've never asked him about oh, Perry Hill, never so did? I've already okay. done that now. Oh, well, wait, I also wanted to ask you about Colton Wong, though, because we talked to him yesterday. He kind of blew us away. I mean, he, he was just his maturity, and I, I knew that he had been picked off in, in the World Series. I didn't know what it had meant to his career and that he had struggled for a while after that. You know, talk to me just a little bit about Colton Wong, the person that you acquired. You know, Colton, and if that postseason is uh, is it's pretty interesting because what what the Cardinals would have done at those times, you know, and they, and they have a postseason team year after year, and oftentimes you're going to see them promote young players quickly through the system, you know, and they might jump them two levels at postseason time because they have a special skill and, and Colton could really run. He could run and he could steal a base and he had instinct. And then the first opportunity he got to show those things off, he got picked off. And, uh, you know, on the biggest stage you can play on in, in major league baseball. And, and, uh, you know, I didn't know it was, it had as much of an effect on him as he did until very recently. And, and I say that, and I really do think that from a player development standpoint, it's, it's hard to define how much a little setback can make a player feel because as we've talked before, it's such a confidence game. You know, it really is. It's you have to be confident enough when you walk into a major league clubhouse to know that you are better than Julio Rodriguez and Aaron judge and, and, and whoever's going to be standing in the, the batter's box on any given day. And, and, uh, and that's, and that's no matter what position you play on a team, you could be, you know, the, the 13th, pitcher on a 13 man staff, or you can be the super utility player that, that plays three times a week. You have to feel like you are Elvis in that room. And, and, and I imagine that getting picked off in that moment as a young player with no other track record at the major league level with expectations of what you're going to achieve is pretty hard to overcome. And, uh, you know, fortunately for, for us and for baseball, he did. Colton's been a good player on good teams for a long time now. And I, I don't want to say the world's sleeping on Colton Wong. I, all you got to do is flip over the baseball card or go look on baseball reference or fan graphs. Colton Wong has achieved a good deal in baseball. And, and, uh, and he came into our camp. He's not big of stature, but he's big in presence. This is my first uh, takeaway from, from Colton. Uh, so yesterday, some odds came out, uh, got sent to me. I shot him over to my guy, Salk, and it just spurred his mind to, A, sharpen the pencil, put some batteries in his calculator, do his own little projections. And, and so he's got his numbers. And then he went on further to write a really good piece uh, on this pitching rotation and on this staff. So we had Robbie Ray on an hour ago, and he was phenomenal, uh, super, super fun. And I went through a little word association, Jerry, with Robbie. I just said, hey, man. You know, you're you're the the sage guy in the staff. They look to you. Just give me the first thought, the first word, the first thing that comes into your mind. And we went through the different guys in the rotation. And I'm curious if we did the same with you. Maybe you know, maybe afterwards we'll compare and contrast uh, your thoughts and Robbie's. Um, so here's a little word association. First name, first thought that comes to mind with George Kirby. Wow, uh, prepared. First thought for Logan Gilbert. Filthy. Filthy. 
That was very different, by the way, from Robbie Ray's. He went with Goober. So obviously, you guys are you're looking at Logan Gilbert from very different neck. angles. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, Marco, competitive, flexin, sneaky, Luis, presence, and Robbie. Yeah, you just got that sense. You know, he said something today that was pretty astute, uh, along with Goober. And let's see, he went Vector for uh, for Kirby. Uh, he went Goober. <laughs> he, he went the <laughs> he went hobbyist for Flexen, which I thought was pretty good. Best ping pong guy on the team. Uh, Marco, what did he say? Uh, not sexy. Uh, and then for <laughs> and, and then for Castillo, he went the the nickname the Rock the Stone. Uh, but he did say, as far as himself and as far as pitching goes, Jerry, and what I thought was astute was, hey, listen, I'm not the same guy. I'm not the same pitcher. That when you put mileage, every year is a new year for every arm on this in this rotation and on this staff, and and you're a different guy from from year to year. I thought that was pretty astute. So if we're going to see a little different Robbie Ray, what could that look like in 2023? You know, I know he's been working on a new pitch. You know, he came to camp. He's working on a split, as is Logan Gilbert. And, you know, both of them, uh, I will say, Logan's on film, Robbie's live. Both of them look like they put in the work on it. They're they're good-looking pitches. And, you know, while still in, in the development stage, and that is kind of what Robbie is hitting on, is that you're constantly recreating yourself. You're constantly making adjustments. You're adapting to the league. You're adapting to, to how your body ages. And, you know, yesterday we had MLB Media Day over in Scottsdale, and, and, and I was asked the question about Robbie specifically, you know, coming back, how would he respond to the, that moment and, and the way his season ended last year? And, you know, my, my takeaway is that Robbie Ray has been through more in his major league baseball career than most players are ever going to go through. It's a first to get to the point where you are a status veteran in this league is very hard to do, you know, and to do it while having achieved the high highs of winning a Cy Young and pitching in postseasons and then the low lows, you know, Robbie's had some, some years that weren't as, as glorious and some moments like we saw at the very end of last year. And that's part of it. You know, that's part of how you get to the point Robbie's at in a clubhouse where 25 other guys, because it's not just our pitchers, you know, the, the, the players all he's, he is that guy in a clubhouse that they can go to and they know whatever they're going through, he's been through. And, and that's such a thing in a clubhouse that, that is so valuable to, to, to have. And, and now we've got a handful of guys that have been down that road. And, and that's the thing I really appreciate about Robbie and what it looks like next for him. I think he's always going to pitch like a power pitcher. You're not going to see, you know, Robbie Ray morph into, you know, the, the touch field guy at this stage in his career. He's got power pitches. He needs to pitch like a power pitcher. And when we saw him at his best a year ago, that's what he was doing. And and my just looking at the way he walked through that door, the shape he's in, and and the focus he had this off season, I, he took it seriously. And, and he went home. He got in great shape. And you know, he came back. And his stuff is. It's alive, and and I think you're going to see Robbie Ray power pitcher, which is primarily what you saw last year, and everybody Mm -hmm. takes away one moment. (laughs) But he was pretty damn good the rest of it. Hey, uh, 
shifting gears just for a moment, I, I was uh, reading a little bit about, we talked obviously a ton about the new rules and the shift and this and that. And, and I saw some speculation that teams will try to modify this a little bit, that there will be teams with a, with a, you know, big pull uh, left-handed hitter up who will take their left fielder. If they've got somebody who is as athletic as somebody like, you know, a Haggerty or some of the guys you have and move them into almost that shallow right center second base spot, similar to where the uh, where the second baseman used to be in the shift. Is that something you expect to see much of? You know, I, I've seen the, the layouts. I've seen people diagram what it might look like. I've heard, you know, rumors or I've, I've called them, you know, like the urban Mets. I, I don't. Major League Baseball will govern this rule change as something in the spirit of the rule. I don't think they they want to see you know somebody trying to find the loophole and you know whether that's you know, what's being described or not. It's tough to say. We've talked about different ways that that we can effectively position our defense, you know, to to combat the the opposing hitters. But, you know, the diagrams that I've seen, and this is just maybe me being old school and I'm going to have to see uh, what it looks like. But I, I and I've never thought of myself in that through that lens, but perhaps this reaction is <laughs> indicative that it's, it's, it's true. I look at that and if you're moving your left fielder in that big a swing and you're putting that kind of stress on your third baseman and your center fielder to cover that ground, I, I just it's. It's, I don't have the words to describe what you would feel like as the pitcher on that day or the manager in the dugout if somebody flips a blooper down the left field line that's a triple. <laughs> and it, it should have been a, an S7. So I, it's when we adapted to shifting in Major League Baseball, it was because that's where the outs were. You know, you could, you could shift your players into position to convert – the, the batted ball into and out at a very high percentage where uh, I guess at a location that the hitter would most frequently hit that ball. And, you know, the, the moving an outfielder is an entirely different setup and, and requires an entirely different, you know, I guess degree of trust in, in the fact that that will happen because it's one thing when you're giving up a single, yeah. <laughs> it's an entirely different thing when you're giving up a, a, a multi-base hit because multi-base hits in our league, oftentimes turn into runs. Yeah, good. I hope you're right about that because I was, I was really hoping we aren't going to see stuff like that. I want to see it straight. I want to see, uh, I want to see balls going through ground balls that are hits, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to seeing you down there. Uh, not next week, but the week after, we'll be down there, and uh, we're excited, man. This is so great seeing pitchers and catchers, full squads just around the corner. Jerry, we appreciate it. Thank you. You got it, guys.